reading is taken from Matthew 21, starting to read at verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt beside her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the, to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, it's really good to be with you. Um, thanks to uh, Phoebe for uh, reading uh, for us um, and uh, um, if I can add my thanks to um, Esther for the, uh, the design of our Easter um, banner and cards that uh, was mentioned by Ruth at the start. Why don't we pray as we um, begin this Palm Sunday? Heavenly Father, we pray for your uh, understanding that you would grant us insight. You would help us to see you afresh as we go into this um, Holy Week together, we pray. Amen. Um, now, we are here at Palm Sunday. Um, few uh, images, I think, um, uh, more than this this week, have kind of captured uh, people's imaginations um, than this uh, picture of the cargo ship that has become stuck in the Suez Canal um, in recent days, apparently backing up world uh, trade traffic around the globe. Um, I don't know if you've seen this uh, um, very large ship that's managed to sort of wedge itself in the middle of the Suez Canal. Um, and the, uh, the kind of the picture of um, uh, the close-up of the, this enormous um, uh, boat and then the little digger that's trying to make its way to try and help it um, uh, get out of that uh, spot. It seems to have caught people's imaginations around being stuck and things not going perhaps as they'd hoped. Um, so lots of you know, very funny people have, have described it as the boat is a bit like the things they have to do and the, the digger is the very small work that they've made towards accomplishing their to-do list. Some people have looked at the whole picture and said this is a bit like how 2020 and 2021 have been for my career. Um, there I am trying to make my way in life or, or what progress you're trying to make in uh, school or, or college or whatever it might be and, um, and there is COVID-19 has landed itself across this uh, canal of, of where you want to get to. And plus one more which I did enjoy which is the, uh, the character of Boromir um, who, uh, who says here one does not simply park in the Suez Canal, which, um, if that reference goes over your head, don't worry, but it, I enjoyed it. So, um, Anyway, but it, it's become a metaphor for this idea of being stuck, unable to move forward, of, of things not working in the way that we expected them to. And a, a kind of 
gap between expectations and reality. And it's really underneath what's going on in this Palm Sunday passage that we're going to look at um, and how the people were expecting a king and what we're to make of that. Um, it's a great passage, perhaps well known to you on this Palm Sunday. Um, uh, they were expecting a king. That's our first um, thing we're going to look at. And if I can just read the opening um, verse to it. Um, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you'll find a donkey tied there with her colt by, uh, by her, untie them uh, and bring them to me, and so on. And the context here is worth knowing kind of where they are and what's going on. Um, this is, um, the, they are just outside of Jerusalem. And here is a, a map which just shows you a little bit of um, where they are. So they're in a couple of, there's Bethphage is mentioned. It's very near a place called Bethany, just outside of Jerusalem, not far away. And um, uh, Jesus knew these places well. And um, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were in Bethany, um, and uh, they were good friends of his. But they are close to Jerusalem, close enough so you can imagine the scene and the atmosphere, close enough that news could easily spread of uh, what was going on and who this figure was. Um, it's close to the Passover. Expectations begin to run high uh, amongst the people. And in fact, in Matthew's Gospel at this point, um, in the context of where we are, just in the previous chapter, on the way towards there, Jesus met, had met two blind men on the road um, who had said to him, Son of David, have mercy on us. And they called him Son of David, a great sort of um, a messianic, a king-like title, and Jesus, remarkably at this point, given that he's sometimes been a bit more cautious, says to them, yes, how can I help you? When they say, son of David, have mercy on us, he says, yes, that's me, how can I help? He begins to own that title. So you can imagine expectations are beginning to, to mount, uh, things are running high. As we see towards the end of the passage, when we're told about the crowds in verse 9, we're told the crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed him were shouting. And that sort of marker of those who are going ahead, it means they're coming from those little uh, villages outside of Jerusalem. So you can imagine there is a, a group who are, uh, who are making their way. Some think there were a good few thousand there. Plus there would have been many more in the city of Jerusalem um, uh, ready for Passover. So it's a busy, uh, a, a busy um, kind of time. Um, and they are shouting words that mean, save us, son of David. Um, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. They're saying, save us. Liberate us. Bring us freedom. Um, uh, the whole city, we're told, is stirred, um, which if you, you can possibly imagine it's sort of like stirring a drink, which is a bit tame. Actually, that you could translate it, the whole city was thrown into an uproar. They're asking, who is this? Who is this figure that, uh, that is causing um, uh, a stir, causing, um, uh, causing uproar in the city? And so what we're, the scene that we're being kind of given is that Jesus is about to walk into the political, economic, and religious heart of the land of Israel. And they are, they are heading, if you like, on a march to Jerusalem. We've been used to seeing marches and protests in the news of late, haven't we? They are gathering. There is a building sense of momentum. And they are crying out to a Messiah figure, a king-like figure. 
somebody who's going to lead them and cast off the oppression that they've been uh, facing, uh, deal with the Romans uh, who've invaded. You know, the, the, the expectations are, are growing. But at the heart of this passage, the center of it, around this atmosphere that we have, what's the scene that uh, Matthew creates for us, is that Jesus is not the king that they were expecting. They were looking for a king, but the heart of what we see here is Jesus is not the king they were expecting. Now, the way this works, actually, if you, um, Jesus is organizing and orchestrating everything that happens here. And in fact, the first half of the passage is just Jesus' plans. Um, and uh, he explains what he's going to do. So he sends these disciples, saying to them, verse 2, go to the village ahead of you. You'll find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. So there's actually two animals. Um, untie them, bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, uh, say the Lord needs them, and he'll send them, uh, and then they'll send them right away. So he's He's kind of giving them explanation. This is what you've got to do. If this happens, do this. If that happens, do that. Um, uh, and, uh, and then they, verse 6, they, they go. They did as Jesus instructed. They brought the donkey and the colt, mother and its, uh, uh, and its colt, and they placed their cloaks um, on them for Jesus to sit on. The first half of it is just Jesus' planning meeting. He is organizing and shaping what is going to happen here. And it focuses on a donkey. At the heart of this passage here, it focuses on a donkey. And in getting them to get this donkey, he is trying to make a link for them back into the roots of the Old Testament. He's trying to say something for those who would see it and hear it. Okay, now let me try and explain how this works. How this works is a bit like... um, what's called an Easter egg in a film, okay? Now, Easter eggs appear in films, and now, I don't know why they get called Easter eggs. What it is is when one film references and talks about another film, okay? I don't know why they're called Easter eggs, but they are. Um, You get films which then mention and talk about another film. Here is a a very sort of easy example for you. The film Frozen, um, very well-known film, few years old these days. Uh, but, uh, you know, very good fun. Um, And here is the character in the green dress of Anna, and it's early in the film, and it's the coronation, and she is singing, and she is dancing through the streets and enjoying uh, life at this point. Um, And as she does so, um, she encounters very briefly two guests who are arriving for this great coronation, and they're there in the bottom left, and they they are Flynn Rider and Rapunzel, from the film Tangled. And you see this and you go, ah, okay. So they've got these guests, that's very exciting. Um, And in fact, you might possibly think, well, they've also got these guests. And Rapunzel is a female character in a Disney film who sort of breaks the mold. And I wonder, are we gonna have that kind of thing going on in Frozen? I don't know, you see, they're kind of making links for you. Now, I should tell you that I nearly thought about doing this um, with a couple of Netflix Christmas movies, where Netflix love doing this. They love linking their films. Um, but I thought I'd spare you that, as we're nearly at Easter. Um, but it does mean that you, know, you can at least have this conversation over the lunch table, whether you are more team frozen or team tangled, and think uh, one of those is better than the other, or you can discuss the links that you can find between them. Anyway, I'll leave that with you. But what Jesus is doing, if that helps you at all, Jesus is trying to make a link in what he is doing back into the Old Testament. He's trying to make a statement Um, in 
bringing this donkey and riding on it into um, Jerusalem on it. Why? Because kings in the Old Testament rode donkeys in times of peace. In times of war, kings had horses, they had chariots, plenty of references you can find in the Old Testament. When kings are going to war, they muster their horses, they get them together, off they go out into battle. In the Old Testament, when kings ride donkeys, it is in a time of peace. You see that at various points, you see Solomon is placed on a donkey at a key moment before he is uh, crowned king. Um, It reaches right back into the Old Testament, right back, in fact, to one of the earliest prophecies, which comes about the kingly line of Judah from Genesis chapter 49. It reads um, uh, as this, um, it was said of Judah, the kingly line, the scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he to whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of nations shall be his. There's going to be this king, great king, and everyone's going to bow down to him. He will tether his donkey to a vine, his colt to the choicest branch. He will wash his garments in wine, his robes in the blood of grapes. It is talking about a king who would come who would bring a great peace. He's got a donkey. He tethers it to the vine. When it talks about washing his garments in wine, which sounds a bit weird, like it's some sort of new detergent, and he's, he's talking about there being such prosperity in the land. The wine is flowing. And when the wine flows, there's so much that he could even wash his clothes in it. And he's talking about this great peace that a king would bring. And Matthew then points us to later on in the Old Testament when in Zechariah we're told about um, the donkey on which this great king would come. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Here is God's great king coming gently, coming in humility. It was a symbol of humility to come on a donkey coming in an unassuming way. And Jesus is making a statement to them. For anyone who could have seen what was going on amidst the crowd, the noise, the expectation, he's making a a statement for them. I am the king of peace and the prince of peace, as we've been told. If you think about it, just Sarah was talking about modes of transport. If, If Jesus had made his way into Jerusalem in an armored helicopter... You know, you can hear, you can, you, somebody arrives like that, so you know what they're saying to you. You know they're saying, look, I'm here to impose my power on you. If he had arrived, uh, if, you know, if he'd pulled up in a, a fancy sports car, uh, a Lamborghini, driven up with an entourage, you know, and they kind of swing in and the door opens and he gets out. You know he's saying, look, I'm here to impose my status on you. Look up to me, see what I've got, see who I'm with. But he arrives on a donkey. He arrives on a lowly animal. Donkeys aren't threatening. They're not not status symbols. In fact, donkeys, to be honest, they're really quite funny animals when you think about it. They're, um, you know, they're... Jesus is saying, look, I'm coming in to Jerusalem. I'm not coming to impose on you but I'm coming to bring peace in you. I'm not going to do this by lording it over you. I'm not going to bring my status and power and, and lord them on you. I'm coming, I'm coming as a servant. 
I'm coming as a lowly figure. I'm going to come and I'm going to lay down my life and I'm going to die for you. Not a war horse, but a donkey. And at this point, you know, this is where we, we start the journey towards Easter. Now, Matthew, isn't, he's not expanding huge amounts of what is going to come. That's going to come in, in coming days. But we're beginning, and we're seeing that it's not in the way that we would have expected. You see the tension here. You've got this, this messianic fervor, this king-like uh, hope and expectation. They wanted a king. They were wanting a king. And he says, I am a king, but not in the way you're expecting. I've come to rule the hearts and lives of men and women, but I've not come to kick out the Romans for you. And as we start, can I encourage us as we go into this, this Easter week, just to, what do we make of this? To, 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 to walk this journey. Uh, Matthew's gospel, we'll, we'll make our way through Matthew's gospel to walk this journey. Matthew will begin to fill out what this means and what it looks like. But here are two questions or two kind of points to take us into and things to reflect on as we go into these next few days. The first is that as you, you kind of watch what's happening here, following Jesus... Jesus unmasks our expectations all the time. If you follow him long enough, he'll just unmask and lay bare the kind of things you think you're bringing to him. And he'll go, hmm, do you see that? A bit like that ship that is stuck currently in the Suez Canal. I wonder just how much we've sort of found over this past year or so, and we've just been frustrated at the situations we've found ourselves in. And maybe even frustrated with God about where on earth we've got to and why things aren't moving. And you know, how many of us have, have wished at some point we could, you know, God, would you just sort out this situation? Could you just come and fix that? And really, could you just take it away? Whatever our equivalent of freedom from the Romans might be. Maybe it is you know, the way you were hoping your career was going to develop or your uh, the life stage you were at. Uh, or the, for those of you who are at school, the the kind of situation with exams and, and, uh, and, and how things go. And actually, the, it's really been very difficult for a couple of years. And we might be saying to, you know, would you just come and take it away? And our expectations are there, but Jesus' ways are not our ways. And actually, as we follow him, we, we, we come, we realize, I think, more and more the kinds of things we bring to him and say, Lord, will you do this? Will you do that? But his ways may not be our ways. I've been reflecting this week. Somebody wrote to me earlier this week asking about kind of the future and uh, this past year. And, and I was reflecting, processing, thinking, yeah, actually, I, I have spent quite a bit of this past year wondering, Lord, why, as I, you may know, I've started this year as Rexa, why has this year not been anything like I thought it might be? Had all sorts of plans and thoughts and uh, uh, wonderings about what we might do together this year, and very few of them have come to pass. And it's as if Jesus says, Paul, I'm not here to do the work you want. I'm here to work in you. Jesus, if you follow Jesus long enough, he'll, he'll begin to unmask your expectations. But it also, I think as we look at this, it also gives us hope, because Jesus knows what he is doing. 
Jesus knows what he is doing. If you'd imagine what it must have been like to go into Jerusalem uh, as Jesus with this crowd around you, what must have been the, just the sheer enormity and variety of all the expectations in the minds and hearts of everyone who's going in. I imagine they didn't all line up to be the same thing. I imagine there were all sorts of things people were hoping were going to happen, whether it was that you know, he would do this for them or that for them or fix the, uh, the situation with the Romans, uh, liberate them, uh, whatever. They were pinning their hopes And Jesus goes through this knowing exactly what he is there to do. Exactly why he has come. That actually he has come, he's come to change your heart more than your government. We may want him to sort this out, to fix this in life. We may want him to sort out the government. We may want him to to sort out the church. It may be whatever it might be. And Jesus He says, you don't need regime change, you need heart change. And I know why I have come. I've come to deal with the the problem that underlies all the other problems. The reality of sin and evil in the world, in your and my human hearts, and what is needed to deal with that. And I think it gives us hope. Because whatever, whatever we might think we need and whatever that is on any given day and however we've processed the past year or so, Jesus knows what we truly need. And we'll walk that journey over these next few days together, I hope. And our, our song that we're going to hear in a moment, and just I would encourage us to reflect as we listen to it. It's a really beautiful song. Uh, we often sing it, actually, at Christmas. Um, it's When Love Came Down. But it's, it's, it captures really uh, elegantly, that sense in which Jesus knew exactly what he was coming to do. He knew exactly what you and I need most of all in this world. So can I encourage you? We'll listen, reflect, pray, uh, and enjoy these words.